0: Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Frogs of War podcast. Uh, my name is Jamie Plunkett. I'm one of the co managing editors of frogswar.com, uh, and this is not your usual midweek Frogs of War podcast. This week will not include a preview to the Baylor game that is upcoming this Saturday. For all of that great preview work, you can read frogswar.com and see all the content written by the incredible staff uh, about the rivalry game that is coming up in just a couple of days now as TCU plays their first football game in the post-Gary Patterson era. This podcast tonight, though, is dedicated more to Gary Patterson, the transition that TCU football finds itself in, and includes a couple of excellent guests joining myself and Melissa on the show. First off, we'll have Joel Anderson, who's currently a writer for Slate, uh, former TCU alum, or former TCU running back and a TCU alum, and then also former TCU offensive lineman Jeff Olson, part of the Rose Bowl winning team joins us after Joel. You're going to want to give both of these conversations a listen. They provide some incredible insight into the program itself. Uh, They give their opinions on where TCU football should go next. Uh, And just overall, really two incredible human beings joining us on the podcast this evening. So I hope you enjoy the show. Don't forget to like it and rate it and leave a review wherever you find your podcast content. Uh, and check out frogs this week for all other things, including the coaching search information. That's uh, as up to date as we can make it and previewing the Baylor game and the rest of the season for TCU football. We're also getting into TCU basketball season. Uh, and so that information and, and more content regarding that will, will be coming soon as well. Now let's get to our guests for this evening. Cool. All right. Our first guest. Of the Frogs War podcast this week is an incredible, incredible human being. We're so thrilled to have him on the show. Writer at Slate, formerly of ESPN and BuzzFeed. Host of Season 6, Slow Burn, a podcast series covering the LA riots. Joel D. Anderson, very popular follow on Twitter as well. At via Joel Anderson. Thank you so much, man, for coming on the podcast.
1: Oh man, my pleasure. Big fan of Frogs O War. Big fan of YouTube personally. And I mean, man, if you call me an incredible human being, I mean, what am I? You know, if you said that at first, I'd have done anything, you know, I would come on <laughs> whatever you <laughs> listen,
2: now, I'm to say I'm super impressed with Jamie's like clearly research and everything, but he forgot your most important role.
1: Well you <laughs> oh, see it was a little it.
0: <laughs> Most down. importantly, for the purposes of this conversation, Joel is also a TCU alum and former TCU running back from nineteen ninety-seven to nineteen ninety-eight. Uh, very brief amount of time backed up with Dania Tomlinson.
1: <laughs> yeah, backed up, backed up, backed up. I mean, you know, calling it a backup is probably a stretch even at that. But Yes, I did have a uniform. I was on practice, you know, all that stuff. Get a little scout team. So, yeah. yeah.
0: <laughs> so, b- before we uh, fully get into the conversation for tonight, I did, as I was uh, doing a little bit of research, find a video on ESPN that is still up. It's about okay. a minute long, and it's an interview with you talking about your interactions with Gary Patterson at a spring practice. Uh, about a week before you quit where he said I think the the line was you had the feet of an offensive lineman do you remember that story still
1: I of course yeah I mean how could I forget it yeah I mean he he told me I was gonna go pro in something other than sports so uh, I owe coach P a lot you know he's has a lot to do with why I'm in journalism now <laughs>
0: excellent excellent well uh, you know we appreciate the career path that you've taken for sure because you have you have produced incredible content uh, throughout the years uh, and i'm really looking forward to to slow burn season six i think at the end of this if you would tell us a little bit more about that project that would be really really cool um i'd love to but first and foremost what was your reaction to the gary patterson news on sunday evening
1: um i guess i was a little bit surprised that it happened when it did but um even going into that week, I'd heard from people, you know, I, I'm not going to pretend I'm some sort of insider or anything, right? But I know people in media, I know people at TCU, and, you know, people say, hey, man, there's some scuttlebutts that Gary might not make it through the year. And uh, I was like, man, I can't believe that TCU would ever consider nudging him out of the door, but, you know, given the last three years, um, that really ugly loss at k State that's just not a didn't seem to be a lot of enthusiasm around the program in the way that it used to be um, I can't say that I was surprised I guess though I, I was a little sad like a lot of people you, you don't want to see um, you know po- po- possibly the greatest coach in TCU football history um, leave on anything other than his own terms but um, you know the reality is what it is I mean the the program is mediocre now uh, hasn't been really good for a while and you know tcu's in a really perilous spot mm-hmm. um you know with the big tw- you know with the big 12 breaking up in the way that it has and um you know they can't afford to be m- mediocre or worse for too too much longer so we we all know that this is a business right and uh mm-hmm. so it seemed inevitable but the fact that it happened when it did was a little bit of a surprise and the way that it happened uh, with him not being able to fi- with him not finishing out the year and all of that stuff that that was a little bit of a surprise and a little bit sad.
2: Joel, when you look at some of the things that kind of happened around Gary Patterson's handling of some things, you know, with the Jerry kill stuff earlier in the year, um, you know, there's been much made of, um, you know, how he's dealt with the media and as someone who, you know, has obviously had been very well connected in college athletics, but has has kind of more of the 30,000 foot view. Um, do, do you feel like this was just kind of a, a coach holding on at the end or, or I mean, what, what? how did you kind of feel about the way that he handled things this year?
1: You know, it felt like the criticism was finally getting to him in some sort of way. And I mean, if you read old profiles of Gary Patterson, there's a, a great uh, 2011 profile on Gary Patterson and Sports Illustrated and a guy that used to room with him when he was briefly an assistant coach at UC Davis. And it talked about like how prickly he was and how defensive he was, right? So that is stuff that has been fueled for him in his career. Like that's that's the kind of stuff that has made TCU great. But this year just seemed like there was a little bit more of an edge to it, a kind of defensiveness that made you think, oh, he knows that people are not happy with him in the program as much anymore. And I mean, I mean, you, you, we didn't even mention you know, him getting upset and talking about a medium post during one of his press conferences, you know, a couple weeks ago, right? Yeah. Uh, a medium post, you know, this mm-hmm. isn't even, you know, the Star-Telegram <laughs> or whatever, right? Which is no, you know, no, no shade at Matt Jennings who, who laid out, a, made a great case in that, that post, but um, you don't typically see somebody of his stature address something like that in that way and to be so visibly and notably upset about it. So um, it was clear that things were getting to him and, you know, I don't want to say that the game passed him by, so to speak, or anything, or that he was, you know, falling out of touch. Because, I mean, you know, if not for a few players against Texas, they win that game. Um, you know, it, maybe a few things go differently in the SMU game. You know, maybe they win that game too. And we're talking about a totally different team. Obviously, that didn't happen. So um, I just, you know, it just seems like the, the things that you could have criticized Gary for over the years are the things that um, really, you know, kind of came into focus in these last few weeks, these last few months. Um, and it just made it seem sort of untenable, like which, that doesn't look great, you know, the way that he, he was handling, um, you know, struggle in this, this, past, this, this, this past year. And I mean, it probably didn't look great to recruits, uh, didn't, look to people that, didn't look great to people that support the program, didn't look great to people that cover the program. Like again, like I said, I used, I used to work in sports media uh, a lot of my friends that cover TCU, they've been complaining about it for years. And that, that's cool when you're winning. It's like, I mean, I guess you better get your, your reporting skills up. You know what I'm saying? You better get, try to wear them down. But when it's not going well, then that kind of stuff, you know, uh, looms a little bit larger. So, um, yeah, it, you know, I, this none of this, none of this, like I said, is a surprise. It's just really, really, really sad. And, uh, you know, I, I would have liked to have seen Coach P, you know, Get a chance to turn it around or figure something else out, but uh, obviously it wasn't going to turn out that way.
0: Yeah, Jeremiah Donati. Earlier this week at their weekly press conference, obviously Patterson wasn't there on Tuesday. It was it was Donati and interim head coach Jerry Kill. Donati did say that uh, you know they had a certain set of expectations coming into this year that by the middle of August or middle of October, they realized that those that those expectations were going to go unmet. And that's when he and Chancellor Baschini really came to the conclusion that at the end of this season, they were going to ask Patterson to step away. Um, and so they had that conversation with Patterson when they came to that uh, realization that that was the direction they needed to go. And from there, you know, we don't have all the information on that conversation, but we know that Gary chose to not stay to the end of the season.
1: Doesn't seem like it went well. No, <laughs> I know. Like, Normally, yeah, yeah. it's it's got to be.
0: I don't envy that conversation from Donati's chair a, a thousand percent. So you know a, a a relatively new athletic director who's never been in this position for before is having to ask arguably the most legendary coach of this generation of coaches outside of perhaps Nick Saban uh, that he needs to step away from the program that he completely built. That's. Uh, I have a lot of opinions about Jeremiah Tanati. Uh, I have gained a tremendous amount of respect for the way he's handled this situation on his end um, over the last four days or so.
1: Whatever you want to say about him, he's got – I mean, you know, positive, you know, positive, negative. The dude clearly has guts um, mm-hmm. to make that call and to to go to Gary like that. And, yeah, I mean, man, I don't know if you all have thought about this, but I just – it's actually amazing that this is the standard. Like, if you came into TCU when I did in 1996, that like this is the standard now. Like, that's TCU is no lo- losing seasons are no longer as tolerable mm-hmm. uh, in Fort Worth, which is. It, almost sort of amazing to say in the way that it is. The losing is so intolerable at TCU that the greatest coach, potentially the greatest coach in program history, can't even choose when it's time for him to go. Um, I mean, it's just, it's actually just sort of amazing how far the program has come. That's a testament to Gary, that his own standard is ultimately what did him in. Um, yeah. That's just, that's just sort of unfathomable if you'd come into mm-hmm. TCU when I did in 96.
2: Well, John, I'm kind of off that point is Should a legendary coach and I know you keep saying kind of arguably, but I think it's pretty easy to say that Gary Patterson is the best coach in TCU history should does everyone deserve the right to walk away on their own terms or is the new world of college football if you don't win you go home.
1: That's a great question. The only reason I am I was reluctant to give him the greatest title was because they did win two national championships in the 30s. I don't know how much people care about that. <laughs> but you know what I'm saying? So I was like, I'm, I'm giving, you know, uh, that I, mis- I care mis- about mis- it when mis- mis-
2: Baylor mis- or Texas brings it up.
1: Right, <laughs> right, right. I give him his due proper. I mean, you know, that's an interesting question, right? Because I do think there's a couple things at play there. One, you know, it, it used to be that college football, move such in a much more glacial play pace that you could you could suffer a few a losing stretch like you could go four and seven five and six seven and five for like a, a string of years if you had the the resume that gary patterson had and then get sort of get the name you know your your retirement like i remember when eddie robinson at grambling you know they grambling could be mediocre for a long time and they were just kind of like oh man how are we going to get this dude out of here? Same thing with Joe Paterno. Same thing with Bobby Bowden. Like, you know, they, 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 these greats. Like, they, it, their fan base was frustrated with them, but, you know, they kind of let them, they gave them some time to come to gr- come to grips with the idea that they didn't deserve to be coaches anymore. Um, uh, coaches of the programs that they built. With Gary, though, um, you know, this is a different time. And, I mean, I don't, I mean, I feel bad for gary and coach well i should call him coach p i mean he was my coach once i just call him coach p um i feel i mean i do feel bad for him like you don't want to see anybody leave under those circumstances but i mean it's not like he's a victim i mean he got paid he's he's compensated very well he's one of the highest paid coaches in the country he's gonna get all his money um he's still got the statue nothing that has happened in the last few years is going to affect his legacy everybody Mm -hmm. thinks that has followed this program is grateful to him and and uh, recognizes what he did. So I don't see him as some sort of victim. I mean, I I wish it had ended differently, but I mean, he made six million dollars a year. He didn't win enough. TCU is in sort of a precarious position as realignment goes on all around them. Um, something needed to change, and you know it doesn't. You know, just because you do well, all of us are subject to this in our lives you may do really well at work or do well at something for a while. And once you stop doing well at it, somebody has the right to be like, you know what, we don't think you should do that anymore. All of us are subject to that, but we don't get $6 million to go away when it happens, right? So, um, you know, I, I mean, I think that TCU did the right thing. I mean, like I said, I, I feel bad for Coach P., in that way, like personally, like I don't I don't like that it went down like this, but Pat Sullivan got fired. You know, uh, mm-hmm. all these other guys get fired. You know, what I mean, like it's just it, that's just kind of how the business is. He knew what the business was when he got into it. So, so, I mean,
0: yeah, I mean, even Bill Snyder's tenure at the end of his time at Kansas State wasn't the smoothest landing of all time. Yeah. Uh, you know, obviously, Kurt Forens at Iowa has had his bumps and bruises along the way as well. Um, it is, it is kind of, and, and Jerry Kill said this on Tuesday, it's kind of the nature of the beast. It's the nature yeah. of coaching. Um, like you said, Gary's landing on his feet. Uh, as we learned on Tuesday, he's probably going to be coaching elsewhere next season, which will be very confusing to see him in colors other than TCUs. Um, Ooh. but something uh,
1: other than purple. I mean, he was a Canadian mean, state guy too. So, I mean, yeah, it's, it's, it's man, to see him...
0: the, the first image that comes out on Getty of, of him wearing like red and black or something might be oh. really really tough Um,
2: don't don't wish that on any of us i don't wish that on
0: any of us i don't um but whatever gary ends up doing he's got my he's got my heart you know i think tcu fans have been in this really weird position for the last year and a half or so where you know we've wanted uh to really fully honor um and and be proud of the legacy that patterson has left on this place but also uh there's been a significant concern for the future and when you're a fan base that's in that precarious position, there's a lot of different ways that people can handle that. And and I think we've seen that play out in the fan base. But I I, I do want to get to the next part of this conversation because TCU's got to hire another head coach. I don't necessarily consider it replacing Gary Patterson because that's that's a fool's errand. No but, such thing. Right. Um, <laughs> right. But – there are a lot of really interesting names out there. A lot have surfaced uh, in the last 24 hours or so, including one that you
2: are adamant
0: about uh, being a good.
2: Well, yeah. Joel, I, and I, I so, like you and respect you so much, but. Uh, this
0: is, so, this, I'm really looking forward to this not... part of the conversation. I am not. So, oh, I'm sorry. Oh, no, 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 no. It's going to be a good conversation. So, we have. <laughs> we have uh sonny dykes who feels kind of like the leader in the clubhouse billy napier's name has come up chris peterson's name has come up we've learned recently that kellen moore's agent has reached out to tcu i don't know if that's a i'm gonna get a raise from the cowboys tactic or if he's actually genuinely interested he's my pie in the sky choice personally i think he'd be excellent here um Deion sanders is another name that has surfaced uh partially because of his imagine that partially i think because of his relationship with Ladanian tomlinson they are good friends um and he has done you know arguably a pretty solid job down at jackson state is jackson state right i got that right Um, and there seems to be at least a, a not an insignificant portion of the tcu fan base that feels like he could be the dude for the job and joel i think you're one of those people so
1: the floor yeah. is
0: yours to to kind of make that case for Deion Sanders as the next head coach of TC. I mean,
1: why would you think that, Jamie? I didn't. I don't. Have I said anything about uh, I, I, You Deon may have Sanders. tweeted it to yeah, about yeah. seventy thousand people on Twitter. Right, so yeah. Um, yeah. So, I mean, I'm a mercenary when it comes to this, and um, you know, do we want to be a Power Five program? Is actually is, is what I'm I'm thinking about this. Like, um, you know. It would be great if this was a quaint little business and we could hire somebody that was you know that I that I could vouch for sure, molder of men. Um, you know, somebody that is definitely gonna be in for the long haul, somebody that gets along with everybody and that everybody will rally around, right? Um, and which isn't to say that Dion can't do that, but I just think that if you're look like right now TCU is in sort of a weird position, um, you know, where we've we're on the verge of being left behind again, like Texas and Oklahoma have already sort of separated themselves from us. There's, It's not clear what the future of the big 12 is going to be in this, you know, realigned college football future. And I think at a minimum, Deion Sanders brings some interest to the program um, that has not been there in quite a while. Um, I don't think there's a question that Deion would recruit really well. I mean, just last year, if you believe 24 seven, uh, the website recruiting website they had the 55th ranked recruiting class in the country do you know it's 53 TCU like and 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 if you've ever been to Jackson State that is unbelievable like I mean th- go look at their resources go look at you know all the stuff like it has a, a proud tradition it has Jackson State has four hall of famers which is more than most schools um that exist currently but like for beyond to pull that off at Jackson state is like kind of a low key miracle. And then if you were just to say, okay, well, the recruiting piece of it, great. Like he can trade on his name. That's, you know, but what does that mean about the coaching? Well, I mean, this year they're seven and one five and O oh, in this newly expanded SWAC with uh, Florida A&M and Bethune Cookman. Um, I'm thinking I'm a little intrigued. He knows the DFW area really well. Um, he's, you know, having played for the Cowboys and coached in high school football there, you know, I, I wouldn't mind kicking the tires on that. Like I know, and I know Melissa, you know, I, there there are reasons, right, uh, to, to be wary of him. And I was, I didn't think he should have been the coach at Jackson State. I'm willing to admit that. And I still am a little like, I don't, I, I'm not excited about him as the coach at Jackson State because I think the mission of HBCU is a little different from what TCU's got going on. But I mean, why am I wrong, Melissa? Tell me why I shouldn't. Tell me why I shouldn't be excited about Deion, you know?
2: <laughs> um, I You know, I think it's it's interesting because I think the points that you make are all completely valid. And when you talk about the next round of realignment, um, would Deion Sanders bring attention to the program 100%? Would it all be positive attention? Absolutely not. And I even had Alex Robinson, um, who, you know, played basketball at TCU, kind of push back on me when I tweeted about that earlier today. And he was like, tell me why. You know, tell, tell me why the no. And, you know, as someone who coached, high school sports in DFW while prime prep was in existence. um, I saw firsthand up close what that program did to to people. And um, it, it is, it's tough because would you, would you sell your soul for the things that Dion does that aren't the things that like other coaches have done? Not that we're not in that level but knowing full well that there's going to be some shady stuff happening behind. Sorry, my, now my dog's decided to uh, get involved in the conversation. <laughs> good, he yeah. has strong opinions. He, he's um, excited about Dion. I he, he is. He's definitely team <laughs> Dion. Um, but are you willing to trade that off for, for a guy who probably ultimately isn't looking to be the TC head coach forever, but is making a stop in his – you know, kind of own personal uh, tour of, you know, putting himself back in the spotlight. And I just, the the things that happened behind the scenes at Prime Prep, the way that he hurt families and with the promises that they made, that he doesn't care about academics at all. Um, and if there's one thing that carries over from the Gary Patterson era, I hope it's the, the 40 not four and the graduation the how important graduating his players was how important he, it was keeping them as, as people that were connected to the program and giving them a space to come back when they needed help. Um, and I don't know that that's a priority for Deion Sanders. I also, I'd also be very curious to see what he looks like in a power five program, what kind of coaches he brings with him, what kind of staff, because he's not going to be the X's and O's guys. He's going to be the, you know, shake hands, kiss babies. And, and probably like you said, Bringing a lot of really dynamic recruits, but everything else, uh, I want to see a little more uh, uh tread off the tire in his okay. current role before I'm willing to turn over a Power Five football team with unlimited resources. Um, we're too close to Pole Assassin's Monkey right now to want to bring in something dangerous like <laughs> Deion Sanders. <laughs>
1: No, I, I look, I can appreciate the, the Longhorn shot. Uh, I hate that. uh But, <laughs> uh, you know, so I, I, the thing about prime prep is that it's disturbing. Like, again, I've, you know, said that you know a number of times not recently since i've been taking up the B-off yeah TCU, You're carrying like, the, but, the prime
2: the prime time blow. yeah
1: right since i've been fighting but i mean yeah that was really disturbing but i think the one thing that's different about this now is that they're not really rules in the in, in the ncaa it's true. anymore it's true.
2: you know what i
1: mean like there's no there isn't like what we thought of as quote cheating which i you know still have my issues with that doesn't really quite quite apply in the same way as it used to And, you know, I don't know what his feelings are on, you know, the academic piece of this. Like, I mean, I I have my idea. He has his whole life, his whole life record that says that that's not a huge deal for him. But that wouldn't make him that much different from the vast majority of FBS coaches. Um, um, And at the end of the day, nobody is judging. Like, if it was all about good feelings and commitment to the program, then we would just rode out with Gary Patterson, man. You know what I mean? Like, we Mm -hmm. would just like, you know what? we love him. He's done so much for this program. Let's just, let, let's go uh, three and nine in perpetuity, you know? Um, but that's not what we said. We said we wanted to do better. We think we can do better. Um, I think that taking a big swing like this would be, would not only shake the program up, but I think it has a chance to hit. And I think if it doesn't work out, I mean, you see the way that schools move off of coaches now. I mean, if, if it's going poorly in two years, we can really tagger it. You know what I mean? So um, I, I, I'm just I'm a little bit more open to the idea that he could do it. Now, if we end up with Sonny Dykes or whatever, great, you know, fine, you know, let, I, I'll be I'll be okay with that.
2: Let me let me ask you this: <laughs> What do you think the national perception would be of TCU going from Gary Patterson to Deion Sanders? Does it become a oh hey, this might really work? This is innovative and exciting, or is it is it kind of a I cannot believe that they went after Gary or uh, Deion Sanders because I, I I have a hard time kind of distinguishing what the outsiders would think of that move?
1: I think it would be both. I think it would be people would be very excited, you know, and like, wow, look at that. Let's see how that works out. Right. Um, and I also think that people might be like, man, that's a little greasy, you know, that like that, that, that's a little weird, but again, you know, there's not been, a, you know, uh, any hint that he's been doing anything, you know, uh, it, it you know, there's any, what's the word i'm looking for that, that, that he's done anything wrong at jackson state that he's yeah. you know been running a dirty program or anything like that but obviously we need more time because he's only coached a couple of seasons actually he's coached two seasons in one year right yeah. uh so <laughs> so we don't know what year two of this actually looks like right but so far seems like people are happy they're winning he's getting a lot of attention at a school that traditionally has not gotten a lot of attention since you know uh, desegregation so i'm you know, I'm I'm willing to take that chance, but like, don't like I I at least want to kick the tires on it. I would like to see mm-hmm. what the interest is, if he's interested, and in, you know, sort of test the fan base, right? Um, On that, but you know, like I said, if we end up with Sunny Dykes or you know Chris Peterson, you know, I'll I'll cross my fingers and hope that you know they they do okay. But I mean, I, I you know, none, none of those guys excite me. I'm sure they'll be fine, but if I think that. If, if, first of all, if any of us think that we're going to get a Gary Patterson again, like, just get over it. Like, you mm-hmm. know what I mean? Like, I, yeah. I've, I've I've long said that I think this, I mean, do, do you all feel this way? I feel like the, the best times we've seen for TC football, we probably have already seen them in our lifetime. Um, but I would like to remain competitive. I would like for my program to um, not lose to UT in embarrassing fashion like they did this year. It was just a really yeah. sloppy game or go up to Kansas State and get your ass kicked. Like, I don't know, you know, I don't want that. I want to be more competitive. I want to take a chance and I feel like if we're going to get rid of the best thing we've ever had, like, let's just take a chance about, about it.
0: I, I can, I can definitely get on board with that, with that sentiment, Joel. I think that the era of the forever coaches is, is gone, you know, outside of Kirk friends and now Kyle Whittingham is the second longest tenured coach. Wow. At games, right. And he's been at Utah since 2004. No one else has, has been at the same university for longer than that. So I don't know that we can necessarily expect the next forever coach right now. And I don't know that we should want the next forever coach right now. I think that this is really, truly an opportunity for TCU to bring someone in who's dynamic enough to change the course of the program over maybe the next five years and just say, let's get through the next round of realignment. Let's get to a position where we have some program stability again, where we're competitive. Maybe that's a guy like Billy Napier. Maybe that's a guy like Deion Sanders. Maybe that's, you know, Kellen Moore, whoever the hell it is, it's probably not Sonny
1: Dikes. Well, you're serious, like, the case. Yeah, it seems like you were talking. I thought I thought you were going. This was leading to you being on the 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 Dion train. I thought the way you were building that argument up, I thought you were just going to explicitly, <laughs> you know, join just me endorse, on the side. Against endorse, Ultra. yeah, right. I, I think I you know. think
0: I'm I think I'm gonna I'm gonna stay Switzerland for right now. But I <laughs> I can see the benefits of a dynamic personality coming into this role because something that TCU definitely needs right now is. Um, attention you know over the next four years when the grant of rights for the big 12 ends when we have no idea what the hell comes after that tcu needs to be a school that is talked about it also needs to be a school that is talked about in a positive light i i you know i don't know i don't know like you said there's been no negative talk around his his time at jackson state and things seem to be going well for Jackson state. His assistant coaches are also like stacked. There's so much NFL experience on that coaching staff. There's a tremendous amount of recruiting power on that coaching staff. I would like to see what he could do at a P five school as far as bringing on the the coordinators and the assistants uh, necessary to, to put a, you know, a competitive product on the field. Um, so I don't know. I'm, I, would I be more excited about Deion Sanders than, sunny dykes of course you would i would I would be more intrigued <laughs> i would definitely feel safer i would feel safer with sunny dykes i would i think there's a higher potential ceiling with with well, Deion sanders
2: it's it's the how low is your floor how high is your ceiling right True. like sunny dykes has the highest floor Sunny
0: dykes is like here yeah,
2: yeah. but yeah the lowest
0: Dion's probably you
1: know yeah
2: it's that's a big gap i mean it's a big and, you know, like, listen, I, I grew up, I was the biggest Deion mm-hmm. Sanders fan. I had his poster in my room. 21 is my oh, yeah. favorite number to this day. You know, yeah. when he played for the Niners, I loved him. When he played for the Cowboys, I was like, yes, I'm a Cowboys fan now, yeah. but like, <laughs> he is, he is terrifying, as terrifying as he is intriguing. Right. Like you just have no idea what to expect. And it might be really But press conferences would be a hell of a lot more entertaining. Oh my gosh. No uh, yeah. And th- there would be access, I guess, to the program and uh, you know, a- assuming that uh, we all call him coach Sanders. And so <laughs> these types of things would be, I-, I think really exciting for the future of the program, but like it's going to be a one year and everything's going to catch on fire literally, or he might be there for three years. And he's probably going to, the NFL
0: or back to the booth. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I mean, really truly though, the only guys who would stay for a long time that are part of this coaching conversation right now are probably Dykes. That's might be the only one that stays willingly for longer than five or six years. If it's Mm -hmm. Billy Napier, he's gone to Alabama. When Nick Saban retires, if it's Chris Peterson, he's only going to be around for three or four years and then he's going to re-retire. You know, uh, Dion, if he leaves in three or four years, it's either because he got fired or he got hired by a bigger school, right? Like it, it's one of the two things. And we saw and if that, he gets
1: hired by a bigger school, then that's great then the, for us. Like then I mean, there, that, that means sound that there was some here, success right? here at TCU. Absolutely. Yeah. So
0: uh, you know, I think I really only have one no of the current list of people that are that are being listed, and it's not Deion Sanders. I, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna write him off before we see what the product on the field would be. Um, I think it would be a hell of a lot of fun. There'd probably be some consternation among a lot of fans outside of TCU and inside of TCU, but no, gonna... not if
2: you listen to the TCU fans because they're all every single TCU. We have been
0: fan hearing, we have been hearing on Twitter, Twitter from from the Dion Dion crowd.
2: Yeah, the Dion today is yeah. strong. Today he caught the wave. Like
1: I was waiting. Yeah. I was like, okay, when is somebody going to? You know, I don't want to. You know, I, I'm not going to say I, was, I I'm sure I wasn't the first person to suggest this, but <laughs> I was just like. Is somebody else going to be out here with me? You know what I'm saying? Who else? Kind of is, that Will is, is, Smith is, is looking closure? around the
0: empty living room.
1: Yeah. yeah, yeah. Of, uh, yeah. Am, I, am I being ridiculous? But no, nah, man. I I, I I think today he caught a wave. And yeah, man, that's that's a sign. That's yeah. a sign right there that like it's not a bad idea, necessarily.
0: Mm-hmm. You know, it, you the only way you can know for sure is by trying. And mm-hmm. so whoever TCU ends up hiring, uh, they'll have my full support. Until they don't, I guess, which is most of the TCU fan base. Um, you know, we're pretty good at rallying behind folks. Uh, it is interesting to see though, uh, Donati go through this process for the first time, looking for a new football coach in his career. You know, his first job as an athletic director, first time with with a new, uh, with an open football coach um, position, and you know, this is coming on the heels of you know, less than what, less than six months ago, he was having to replace a legendary baseball coach. Uh, And so now you're talking about a a TCU athletics department that the longest tenured head coach of the big three is Jamie Dixon. Uh, And so if this goes poorly, uh, I can imagine how
1: hot uh, Donati's chair might get. For sure. Well, I mean, man, just, I mean, again, I, I, I would never, I mean, He's he seems to be offered a pretty good start, and that like I would have never imagined anybody would ever had the guts to tell uh, Coach Patterson to go right. But sure, yeah. I mean, just just think about the the quality of candidates that we're talking about right now. I don't. If you go back and look at when Dennis Franchoni left, that cleared the way for Gary Patterson to take the job in two thousand. We were looking at Watson Brown of Alabama Birmingham, and I think the the top two. He, he was one of the top two candidates, and the other was Phil Bennett. Who was a defensive coordinator, uh, I believe, at Kansas State at the time? And mm-hmm. Phil Phil Bennett had been the defensive coordinator when I was on the team at TCU during the one in 10 year. So, I mean, like, he hadn't even really had a time to clean the stench off of that really bad stench. So, uh, just the fact that we're talking about winning coaches or a dude like Dion on a caliber, like, I think that said, again, a testament to what Coach Patterson did over mm-hmm. the last 20 years that, you know, that we, that it's not absurd that, a, that we could, just actually, just think about it. stealing SMU's coach. You know what I mean?
2: Like that's. I, I mean, and paying them a ton of money to do so for the privilege, right?
1: Right. I mean, SMU getting outspent like that is just so delicious to me. Like I'm just, I'm, <laughs> I, 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 I love that, and it just says to me like how minor league they are right now. But they went They hey, look, you won. That's great. Uh, I, you know, they won this year. Fantastic. Last two years, that's great. Uh, do you? What would you rather be at TCU? Or would you rather be at SMU? You know, if, if you were the athletic director, right? Like, which position would they rather be in? So, yeah, like, I think that would be delicious. But, um, yeah, man, it's this is all, everything that we're saying, it's a testament to what Coach Patterson did. He left, even though it's not great right now, he set us up for a really bright future. Mm-hmm. And I mean, man, that's, that's all you can ever say, man. That's all, that's all you can ever ask to like leave something better than when you found it.
0: Absolutely. Absolutely. Look, and, and that's exactly what Jerry Kill said on Tuesday as well. Is For these next four weeks, I'm coaching in his honor. This team is playing in his honor. This is the house that Gary built. And nothing's ever going to change that. Joel, thank you so much, man, for coming on. It. We My really place. appreciate it. Uh, I, I said this at the top. I would love to hear mm-hmm. just like your elevator pitch on slow uh, season six <laughs> of LA riots uh, over at Slate.
1: Yeah, no, thanks for allowing me to do the uh, elevator pitch. So yes, today was the first episode of the sixth season of Slow Burn. It's about the 1992 LA riots, um, and it'll be eight episodes, and we're going to really cover uh, from the moment of the Rodney King beating, March 3rd, 1991, to the days after the riots started in LA, which is April 29th, 1992, um, you're telling a lot of different stories, covering a lot of ground. Um, about something that obviously has some resonance today, but is a story that I've wanted to tell at least for the last couple of years uh, since I worked on the last, the last time I worked on Slow Burn was a, a season about Biggie and Tupac, and um, obviously that involved a lot of LA stuff, and I was like, man, this is fascinating. I would love to dig into that a little bit. So here we are, uh, and today was the debut, and uh, felt pretty good about it, but. It's not over. I still got a lot of work to do. So <laughs> awesome! That's <laughs>
0: awesome. Thank you so much again for for being on with us, folks. Go make sure that you download the first episode of season six, Slow Burn, the LA Riots. Follow Joel on Twitter by Joel Anderson. Uh, but don't too many of you follow him. He's had a really really good number on Twitter as far as following goes right now with a little oh, over this? little over sixty nine thousand. And so nice. Um, <laughs> oh, nice, yeah, yeah. So, but Joel, thank you so much for coming on, man. We really do appreciate yeah, it. Yeah, oh.
1: so awesome. Absolutely. My pleasure. having you at any time.
0: All right, Melissa, our next guest on the Frogs War podcast this evening is Jeff Olson. He's a former TCU offensive lineman played for the Frogs from 2007 to 2011. He was a part of that Rose Bowl winning team uh, in 2010, January, 2011, I suppose. Um, he's at jolson Olson 62 on Twitter. Jeff, thank you so much for being a part of the podcast tonight. Hey guys, thanks for having me on. Happy to do it. Absolutely. Absolutely. So, when you first heard the word uh, that Patterson was on his way out, what was your kind of instinct reaction to that? Um,
3: I mean, it, just like with everybody else, it, it definitely, you know, caught me off guard. It was like, it's like, no, certainly not. This is uh this is somebody, you know, trying to trying to get some traction on Twitter or something or, uh, you know, bouncing between that and like, Oh gee, like did, did something happen? Um, yeah. So just kind of bouncing between those, those kind of realities in my head and, um, I just like, you know, most people I was out, you know, trick or treating with my kids and, um, you know, then my, then my phone started, you know, blowing up, you know, different group texts saying, Oh my gosh, what's going on. Um, uh, but yeah, it was just, uh, it was one of those things and it still, you know, kind of doesn't feel real too. Um, uh, you know, I, I watched the, um, you know, coach kill do the, uh, do the, the press conference and I was like, this just, this doesn't feel real. And, um, and yeah, so it, it'll, it'll probably probably hit me come Saturday. Um, yeah, it was just just you know blown away that that there would there would ever be a, a time for tcu football when when coach p wasn't wearing the visor and the headset
2: i you know i think that a lot of us can kind of empathize with that moment of you know what's it going to be like when somebody else walks onto the field on um on saturday but you obviously come from a place of you played for the man you knew the man he like you tweeted i think earlier this week that, that he was somebody that that took a chance on you and sold you on tcu and so from from a personal standpoint, what do you think Gary Patterson's legacy is at TCU and with TCU football?
3: I think, um, and, and I said something about this on Twitter um, as well. Is I think his his legacy is going to be you know finding those finding those gems that that everybody else kind of you know looked over. Um, you know he he had such a, a a storied history of of finding guys that you know were were really good high school football players, but for one reason or the other, you know, the big programs just kind of, you know, tossed it aside or didn't pay much attention to. Um I think when I was a freshman, I came in, I think either three fourths or a hundred percent of the the defensive line was was running backs in high school. And um just the, the ability to to see where people what they could become um you know, once they get in the weight room with with Coach Summers and and being you know within the program, seeing what they could be and what what their their ceiling could be, um, is going to be his his legacy i think um you know he he definitely found guys that that other people wouldn't have found i mean obviously uh, you know andy didn't have a whole lot of offers coming out of coming out of high school and and the the, the list you know just goes on and on of, of people who, who didn't didn't get a lot of uh a lot of attention um but he found these guys and and found people who wanted to wanted to play football and you know maybe not go on a uh a revenge tour, so to speak um, just, you know, to, to make all these other people uh, you know, sorry, they didn't give them an offer or give them a chance to come play at their program. Um, but just, it, just to be able to kind of harness that, that energy um, and, and put it out on the football football field with, with guys who just love to play the game, who are, who are able to, you know, come together for a common goal and um, and just, you know, to, to be able to, to, to gel and, and create that, that culture. Um, that, you know, he was, he was definitely the, the figurehead and, and the, uh, the one that put it all together and, and nobody could, could ever, um, say that wasn't the case.
0: Absolutely. And, and I think you hit something that's really important too, is that, you know, this, this legacy is going to outlive anything that's taken place in the last, you know, two, three years of, of, you know, on field struggles, um, with, with him and just the, the fact that, uh, you know, he, he as Kill said on Tuesday, and I said this when, when Joel was uh, talking with us, you know, this is the house that Gary built Mm -hmm. and, and nothing is going to change that. And a large reason that uh, his tenure was so long is because of exactly what you said, the way that he took care of people uh, and the way that he went and found guys uh, and, and who maybe weren't the highest, highest rated or highest recruited and, and got the best out of them, got the most out of them was able to to do that on a consistent basis. Um, Are there any, uh, specific memories or, or stories that you have about Patterson that kind of embody that legacy or just are, are funny to you?
3: I mean, there's, there's, there's always just a, a a ton of different stories that, that everybody's got. And it's all, you know, probably, you know, just different variations of the same story. I mean, he's had, he's had a bunch where he would, uh, he'd like to use, you know, typical phrases and, and, you know, typical coach speak and stuff. But he, he went on a, on a tear there for a while where he would use some of these, these phrases and these cliches and he would just butcher them. And, uh, (laughs) and and there's a, there's a couple, I know that, you know, some of the former players that were around there at the time, know know exactly what that, uh, what that was. Um, But, but yeah, he, he'd love to, you know, go to the, go to the coach speak, you know, library and, and end up just, one of the the couple of the words kind of out of place or whatever and kind of get everybody like you know where he's trying to get to but you're like whoa come on man like that's that's pretty commonplace you should know that but um yeah so when you know talk about uh being able to you know to move people around and stuff you know i myself I you know coming out of high school i was 220 pounds i was a tight end h-back defensive end you know kind of all over the place and and he you know wanted to put me at offensive line and you know it took me five years to put on you know, a hundred pounds or whatever it was. And, but the ability just to do that, um, you know, and I'm just one example. Um, it's just, it's really cool. And, um, you know, I, I think, you know, what what I've definitely taken from him and, you know, taking that into my, you know, my professional career and, and I'll definitely carry it with me um, just the ability to, to focus on, you know, taking advantage of the opportunity and, and being prepared and, and going, you know, over preparing for everything. So, so you're ready for whatever, you know, we, we've all got stories about, Doing uh, the video test before um, uh, before games on, on Friday nights, and and how stressed everybody was because you want to get it right because you don't want Coach P to start it over, and uh, you're just, just taking that and just applying that to you know what we do every day. You know, just being prepared for everything, and you know, whether that's you know getting your kids to school, um, you know, going going to your going to your job, making sure that you're ready every time you walk in the door. You are you're gonna be your best self. Um, to to be able to take advantage of the opportunities because you never know what, where that opportunity can take you. Obviously for us, you know, we got the opportunity to, uh, you know, to, to go to the Rose bowl, go to the Fiesta bowl, um, you know, play on, play on TV um, in front of millions of fans. And we um, just be able to, to take advantage of those opportunities um, and, and let football open Doors for you, whether that you're continuing to play football, or if you're going into the business world, or or whatever, but being able to use that and, and not just kind of identify yourself as a as a football player. Like I'm not Jeff, I'm the football player. I'm Jeff who happens to play football. Um, but but yeah, he's he's definitely one of those guys that you know a, a lot of people they they have you know dads in their lives, uh, but he's always going to kind of be that that second dad, and and you just spent so so much time with him and um, being able to see how he you know see how he attacks the day and knowing that you're, you're not going to have that, that type of energy, um, but you at least have a, have a good role model to see, uh, you know, what success looks like uh, from somebody who who may have been overlooked himself. Um, you know, he'd always tell the story about, he was a, he was a great basketball player and it's like, coach, you, I mean, you were like what, like five, eight. And uh, but, uh, but just being able to um, just kind of use that, you know, chip on the shoulder mentality. Um, and, and again, just to, to be prepared and to be ready to take, take advantage of, of every opportunity.
2: Jeff, I I don't know if if this is the right way to ask this question, but I'm going to ask it this way. Anyways. Um, What do you think, Went wrong. I mean, with with all that Gary Patterson has done right, you know, the last I think Joel Anderson put put it really well in saying that he the issue was is that he failed to meet the standard that he himself had set for TCU football. But the last four years have clearly not not met that standard. I mean, is this just uh this is a new generation of student athlete, and maybe the messaging isn't getting through, um, or is this just the way that college football is adapting? And Gary Patterson, if we no, one thing is that he he's going to be who he is, regardless of, of everything else around him. And, and maybe that's what ultimately led to the parting of the ways here.
3: No, I think I think what, what Joel said, that's a that's a really good point. Um, and, and the whole like, you know, is he is he not adapting to the to the new the new age of <clears throat> excuse me, the new age of athletes? I think that could be it, you know, with the whole NIL and transfer portal and all that stuff. I mean, it, it could play a part. Um, I know his, his style of coaching definitely, uh, you know, it, it appeals to a, a smaller and smaller pool of players uh, kind of as the years go on. But, I mean, I, you hate to say that, you know, the, the guys that they put out on the field that, that, it, that they quit um because you know i mean i know from experience just how hard those kids work and, and you'd hate to say that they would put you know an inferior product out on the field but it just it just looks like this that, that the energy wasn't there and the juice wasn't there and, and spe- you know specifically last saturday um and i don't know if that was the nail in the coffin um but you know, my my parents were actually at the game they were in manhattan and, and they noticed that you know he wasn't you know running up and down the field quite as much as, as he used to. And granted that could be, you know, age, or that's just how he, uh, how he coaches now. Um, I know he's definitely tried to kind of adjust how, how he uh, coaches a little bit. You know, we, we'd always kind of chide him a little bit saying he's gotten soft, but um, you know, you hear stories about, you know, when Sonny Cumbie was still here, when he's opening up practice for, for family and kids to, you know, to come up and, and to give the coaches the ability to have that family time at the office. Um so you know stuff like that kind of shows that he is you know able to adapt. Um, but you know if you're him, you know you've you've taken taking a program you know from the from the depths of of college football into you know several different conferences, winning conference titles um, in all of those conferences, going up to a Rose Bowl, a Fiesta Bowl, <coughs> all of these things, Peach Bowl. Um, you know it, it almost gets to the point like why why should I change? You know I've I've been successful. I've I've adapted to these new challenges. Um, so it's, it's one of those things that you know, I don't think it's necessary. I don't want to put the blame solely on him for, for not adjusting. Um, but it, it's, it's, it's definitely, it, it probably plays a part. Um, but you, you, I, I think you got to think about it from his perspective. You know, he's getting, up, he, I don't want to say he's getting up in years when we've had, um, you know, what's his name up at Kansas state for in the, in the conference for so long. Um, you know, he, he probably had four five six more years left in the tank where he's able to coach at that same level. Um, I just, I myself, I'm kind of doing, you know, the mental gymnastics trying to figure out like, all right, what could have happened? Like, all right, maybe he thought that, you know, this was going south. He thought it would be better for the university to get a jump on, finding the next candidate, Um, whatever. You know, I, I, I'd hate to think that there was some sort of, you know, you know, ill intent or some malice or some, you know, some anger between him and the administration um, that kind of caused it to happen. Um, Obviously we weren't, we weren't there. We don't know all the the specifics, but uh, I think part of how his, his coaching style, um again kind of appealing to a to a smaller pool of players and um you know with the ability for kids to you know come in they may not have a fit and they go somewhere else and they thrive or they fizzle out whatever um I think that plays a part um as well uh
0: you know I, I agree that I don't think anytime you know this is kind of a common phrase you know a divorce is never one person's fault and uh I think that at some point, this just became untenable. Um, and you know, I can't imagine that that conversation was an easy one to have on Sunday. I can't imagine that it went as well as right. Donati or Bushini, uh, or Patterson hoped it would go. Um, and so, you know, we're seeing kind of the, the, um, the struggles, even, even, you know, in the best of relationships that could be out there, the struggles of, of, uh, what happens when you kind of go your separate ways. And so, Uh, It's definitely, it's definitely hard to see uh, from a fan's perspective. I can't imagine as, as, you know, one of his kids, Jeff, what what that's been like for you. Um, But I do, I do want to kind of shift because, uh, you know, Patterson I think is always going to be in some semblance around the program. He's going to be present. Um, You know, he's, uh, it was reported on Twitter that he was back in the office again on Monday you know, kind and of helping. at
2: practice today <laughs> and at
0: practice today, you know, which is very interesting, uh, interesting nugget. But um, you know, what do you think TCU needs to look for? What qualities, what, uh, you know, yeah, I guess just qualities, what qualities do you think TCU needs to look for in the next guy? And I said this with Joel and I'll say it with you too. I don't think that TCU needs to go about trying to quote unquote, replace Gary Patterson, mm-hmm. I think it's more of a you have to have a head football coach, and you've got to find the next guy to lead this program. Now, uh, what do you think TCU should be looking for in their next head coach? I think you're definitely.
3: Um, I, I know it's it's going to be difficult to find a a forever coach again. Um, obviously, somebody being there for for 23 years like like he has, um, that's going to be next to impossible. But but I think you need to find somebody with that with that mentality. Somebody that says I want to come in here, I want to build a monster, I want to take this thing from you know, whatever happens with the big 12. um, But somebody who wants to, who wants to be here and to, you know, I don't, I don't want to say, you know, continue go coach Patterson's legacy because you, you, you don't, you don't follow that. That's it's, it's set in stone. It's, it, it is what it is, but somebody who wants to be here for, for the long run. So I think you're trying to find somebody who's not trying to use the program as a stepping stone to a a texas to a usc so on and so forth uh but find somebody who wants to who wants to be here and to kind of make that impact and and have those deep roots within the community because you know it you you see the difference between dallas and fort worth um and you know i'm not trying to take any any shots at at smu by by any stretch but uh why not i mean it's
0: it's okay to do that this is a safe space for that yeah
3: but uh but yeah so i mean just just the way that that The community embraced Coach Patterson, especially um, you know as we kind of got the winning train, you know, rolling, um, and just how we were able to to really turn that fan base of I don't want to say lackadaisical, but but casual fans into you know really you know hungry, passionate fans. Um, Somebody who wants to 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 make that the reality again. Somebody who wants to you know be be a face in Fort Worth, um, and be a face there for, for a long time. Um, that's gonna, that's gonna be hard to find. Um, and again, nobody wants to follow, follow the legend. And, um, you're absolutely right. I I think coach P he'll, he'll be around the program in some capacity. I I don't know if, if he is going to keep coaching. Um, I w if he is, I hope he stays far away from from TCU. Cause he, he may be, uh he may be looking for a little bit of revenge for himself, depending on how this co- those conversations actually happen behind closed doors. um But you almost wonder if he would be almost like a, uh, a Barry Alvarez type at, at Wisconsin, um, just kind of that, that AD slash special consultant slash, you know, person who can, you know, go into the football office and, and, you know, make recommendations because, you know, it's one thing for, for Donati to say, Hey, we're looking for somebody who's an offensive coach, blah, blah, blah. It's like, but has have you ever coached a, a football team? You know, it's not to not to throw shade at him, but, you know, it's it's one of those things where, you know, the, the, the person driving the bus needs to needs to have that vision. And, um, you know, it, it, it'll be it'll be interesting to see what what he does. Um, but as far as like, you know, the open candidates, there, there's so many people that, you know, names swirling, which is which I guess is a, is a good thing for us because it, we're showing that we're a, a program that can attract some of those names and we'll see which one of those actually have uh, some fire behind the smoke. Um, but you just, you just wonder, I feel like we've gotten in a bad way by keeping on, I don't want to say a bad way by keeping on all those assistants, but, but coach P is very, very loyal. And he's kept all of those assistants around, you know, for, for as long as they wanted to be there. Um, and, and there are some people that, that could step in, you know, I, I think I said it to, uh, to somebody on Twitter today, like I would be interested to see, you know, if, if he were ready, if he felt that he were ready, um, Uh, Zarnell Fitch to, to apply for that job. You know, he's a, he's a TCU legend in his own right. Um, Somebody who knows the program, somebody who loves the program um, would be an interesting fit. Uh, You know, he was, you know, head coach at Lincoln. He knows these kids. He can, you know, bring kind of that excitement back to the program. Um, But that's, you know, if he, if he feels like he's ready, Um, but you, but you never know what, what he's thinking or, or what his ambitions are. Um, I think it would be something, you know, I've known Zarnell, you know, since, since I was getting recruited and, um, just, a just a good, good human being. Um, and, and I think he can, you know, lead those kids to some victories again, if it's something that he wanted to do. Um, but yeah, it's, 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 it's going to be tough. I don't envy the situation of trying to find, uh, the next person to come through and kind of lead the frogs, but, uh, I guess we'll, I guess we'll see, and we'll have plenty of opportunity to throw in our, uh, our two cents and 240 characters or less.
2: I think that's an interesting point and something that has been kind of a point of, I guess, contention among the TCU fan base is Gary's unfailing loyalty. You know, the same thing that built 40 Not 4 and and keeps people connected to the program might also be ultimately the same thing that, um, cost him his, his job um, at sure. TCU. Mm-hmm. Um, you played for a lot of those guys. Cause I mean, not that you're that old, but it's been a while since you've been there and all those guys pretty much were still around. <laughs> um, but I, and I think I, I don't want to touch on kind of the negative on that. I, I want to touch on the the under, other part of that is, is these are guys that have been loyal and dedicated to TCU and Gary Patterson for a long time. And now they all might be out of a job too. Um, you know, as someone who's been around that, I mean, what what part of that do we need to also appreciate just just the the loyalty on the positive side of what Gary Patterson has done with his assistance and and building a program that's been so long term
3: yeah i think it's it's you can you can use that in uh, in the recruiting sense as well because you know it, you never know if you're when you're going into a program if you're committing to committing to a team if that head coach that wide receiver coach or, you know, secondary coach or whatever is going to go and take a job elsewhere. You know, they, they get an opportunity to make some more money or go back to their, to their own alma mater or what have you. But, uh, but for, for so long, it's been, you know, coach B has been there for 20 years and this coach has been there for 18 or for 10 years or whatever. And that stability is something I think is, is appealing to these kids. Um, You know, that they're able to, to go there and know that they're, that their coach or their position coach, like they're, they're going to be there for the long term. Obviously that's, that's not the case or, you know, potentially not the case, you know, moving forward. Um, But, but I think that, that definitely brings in a lot of good kids because they know, you know, there's not going to be that turnover, you know, the the coach isn't going to leave and the next coach is going to come in and say, yo, I don't need you anymore. We're not going to run that system, whatever. Um, So it's a, it was, it was really, really good for uh to use as a recruiting pitch just because you know that that foundation that that coaching staff is going to be rock solid um and then you know the the rare examples of you know coach fuente going to uh memphis at the time and then uh coach cumby going back out to texas tech you know you really can't can't blame him for that um being able to go back home um but it's uh it's it's going to make things really interesting moving forward and as i said before it's it's a very unenviable an unenviable task. Uh, i trying to replace that. Um, but it's, I, I'm going to be interested to see how they, how they go about it.
0: It's definitely something we're, we're all going to be glued to. Um, and, you know, I think it's safe to say too that regardless of who the candidate ends up being, TCU fans are going to rally behind uh, the new head coach at TCU and i uh, you know, how do you think your, your colleagues and the rest of the former players will, will respond? you think that it's generally going to be positive?
3: Yeah, I think it's going to be positive. I mean, it's, we don't have a say in it, you know, fortunately or unfortunately. Um, but it's, you know, that's our, that's our school. That's, those are the, the colors that we we came up in. And um, we're, we're always going to support it no matter what it's, it, you know, we we've kind of been going back and forth and, you know, you kind of wondered within the last couple of years, like, you know, how, how long is, is coach P going to last? And, you know, is it, is, is he going to decide to, to kind of make a move or make a change or something like that? Um, so it, I, I don't want to say that we, you know, a lot of us were, were ready for this by any means, because it, it definitely is a, is a shock, especially how it, how it went down. Um, but it's, we're, we're always going to support the decision and support the university and support the program. Um, because, you know, that's, that's where we, you know, we, we bonded, we made lifelong friendships. We, we bled, we sweat, uh, we celebrated, you know, on that field. So, so the next person that comes that comes in to kind of direct the ship is, is they're going to have our full support uh, depending on, depending on who it is. And, you know, I don't want to say depending on who it is because, you know, we're, we're, I think we're, we're able to, and willing to give anybody a chance, you know, whether that's, you know, Coach Prime or, you know, Coach Dykes or or whoever. Uh, If Coach Fuente wants to come back, you know, personally, I just hope it's somebody that I know so I can still get some access. (laughs) And so it's interesting, too, and and I'm kind of, you know, in two minds of it um, with the whole Sonny Dykes thing because Coach Dykes actually recruited me when he was at Texas Tech. Um, And then so when we played Louisiana Tech in the Poinsettia Bowl my senior year, we did a uh, uh, boys and girls club event or something. It was like me, Coach P, uh, Ed Wesley, a couple of the guys, and then Coach Dykes and you know four or five of their their players. And I went up to him and I was like, "Hey, Coach Dykes." He's like, "I don't know if you remember me, blah blah blah." so Jeff. He goes, "He goes, oh Jeff Olson, McKinney, Texas. How you doing? Like, how how are your folks?" Doing, oh. Blah blah blah. And I was like, "Holy crap! Like you you remember me?" And then you know how many how many thousands of kids does this guy you know come across? And then when he was a special assistant, I saw him up there on the pro day and. And you know, all I'm up to it again is it's like, Hey, Jeff, good to see you again. Both. So, you know, if it's going to be somebody selfishly. I wanted somebody that I know so I can still get, uh, still get into the, in the building. Um, but, but at the end of the day, um, I, I trust that they're going to make the right decision. Um, I just hope that it's somebody that can, can lead us to uh, to some success rather quickly. Um, and somebody who wants to be here uh, for the long run, you know, build those deep roots in the community and really embrace the city um, and, and just kind of keep that, that, uh, trajectory moving forward and, and making this really, you know, out some school in nowhere, Texas um, to, to really build that more into uh, the fabric of Fort Worth.
0: Awesome. Yeah. Awesome. Jeff, thank you so much uh, for taking some time out of your evening to, to chat with us tonight. Um, yeah. And, and, you know, keep, keep being active on Twitter. We love, we love seeing the, <laughs> the stuff that you throw out there in the Twitterverse, it it, it brightens my day at the very least. So. Always, always. Uh-huh. Absolutely.
2: <laughs> no problem. Yeah.
3: I appreciate it. Yeah. Any, any, time, any a, a
2: guest bails out, you, you can give me a shout.
3: <laughs> we well, would be a
2: bail. You'd be first you're, choice. You're, or you're second pretty, choice after Joel. You're pretty <laughs> high on
0: the list, my guy. Yeah. You're, you've always been pretty high on the list. We thank you for coming on all, all the time over the years. So thanks, awesome. Jeff. We appreciate it, man. Thanks y'all.
2: Thanks, Jeff.